0: Today's episode is about the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boy. <clears throat> the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boy. <sighs> Today's episode is about Oingo Boy. Okay, okay, boingo. Just boingo. This is Discord and Rhyme. Happy Halloween. Yo! Los muertos y bienvenidos a Discord and Rhyme, a podcast where we discuss our favorite albums song by song. Roll call: Mike DeFabio,
1: Amanda Rogers,
0: Rich Bennell, and returning special guest
1: Libby Cudmore.
2: Welcome back, Libby. I, I think this guest appearance puts you in the five timers club.
3: Ooh, you're I was... the Tom
0: Hanks of this podcast.
3: I do have a vintage typewriter.
0: <laughs> Libby is co-host of the podcasts The OST Party and The Shattered Shield. And she listens to records on Twitter every Saturday at hashtag Record Saturday. Amanda and Rich are all dressed up with nowhere to go. So tonight they're co-hosting this week's special Halloween episode. What album do you have for us?
1: It is Dead Man's Party by Oingo Boingo.
0: All right. And why did you pick it?
1: Because it's Halloween time. And this is the Halloween album. And because I picked it up sometime just last year after not having heard it since probably college And I listened to it over and over and over for like two weeks and got really fired up and hollered at Rich, we have to do this for our next Halloween album. And fortunately, he was on board.
2: And I was like, why are you shouting at me? (laughs) Yeah, I'm always on board for Oingo Boingo. But as the timing worked out, Amanda and I have both hosted episodes pretty recently. So we decided the hell with it. We're both going to host it. This is the first two host Discord and Rhyme episode. All right. Breaking new ground here.
3: (laughs) I'm I'm so happy you invited me because I love Oingo Boingo. Dead Man's Party might have been, uh, it was actually a very, very, very early uh, Record Saturday. Oh, awesome. Yeah, before we were even doing uh, photos of the album, so I didn't get to uh, sort of recreate this one. Oh, you
1: didn't get to throw your own Dia de los Muertos party. No. Well, it's not too late. I recently
2: got to join for record Saturday. We did an XTC album, and I put on a crown that said King for a Day. (laughs) (laughs) I
3: know. You were adorable. I'll I'll, uh, I'll post those again. It was
1: (laughs) perfect. You're a great guest.
0: All right. So what are your histories with Oingo Boingo?
1: Well, somewhat weirdly, this is a band I've been hearing for about as long as I can remember. Because my mom is a fan, uh, thanks to a friend of hers who got her into them. And we had several Oingo Boingo cassettes in the house when I was a little, little kid. Like, from the time I was about seven or eight. And, in fact, I'm pretty sure their cover of You Really Got Me was the first version of that song that I ever heard. Oh Wow.
3: You have a cool mom. Please
4: don't ever set me free. I always want to be by your side. Yeah.
1: Like, I can remember hearing the Kinks recording of the song on the radio and thinking, this doesn't sound right. What's going on? (laughs) So uh, they're they're a band that my whole family liked, and almost no one else we knew had even heard of them, which always kind of bummed me out a little bit because there was nobody I could talk about Oingo Boingo with. So I'm just, I'm so revved up that there are three of you that I could (laughs) talk about Oingo Boingo with. And I remember my brother and I would get really excited when we heard Weird Science on the radio because it meant other people were getting to hear our cool weird band. <laughs> <laughs> so it was it was really great. And so then uh, when we got the internet at home finally in like 1997, uh, the first MP3 I downloaded was Take Me Home by Phil Collins. And the second yes. one was Dead Man's Party. And keep in mind that this was dial-up internet in 1997, and each of those songs took like a week and a half.
2: Like 1,200 baud.
3: Amazing.
1: This was dedication. So I listened to them a lot through about my college years, and then Oingo Boingo just kind of fell out of the rotation for a long time until just a few years back, but now I'm back in, and it is great.
3: Amanda, I love your dedication to both Oingo Boingo and Phil Collins, Like, and especially <laughs> like as a young woman- because I swear, like, you and I are, we're soulmates. We are. <laughs> it's amazing. Same thing.
1: Thank God for Twitter.
2: And as for me and the music of Danny Elfman and Oingo Boingo, well, if, if we're being completely honest, there's one Danny Elfman composition that I've heard hundreds more times than anything else he's ever written. <laughs> <laughs> and in case you somehow don't know that, that was the Simpsons theme song, which he composed. <laughs> but like so, so many bands on the show, I got into them properly by way of Weird Al Yankovic, whose 1988 album, Even Worse, features a song called You Make Me. And it's one of those songs that's just an excuse for Weird Al to say like whatever wacky nonsense pops into his head.
4: You make me want to fly my head against the wall. You make me do the limbo. You make me want to buy a slurpee at the mall. You make me watch the gong show. Really More
2: on the gong I show later.
4: Exactly do After
5: make
2: me doing my a little heart. digging online, I found out that the song You Make Me was meant to sound like this band called Oingo Boingo. And my reaction was, there's a whole band that sounds like You Make Me. I need to listen to this band immediately.
0: <laughs> All right, Libby, how about you?
3: So like... Rich, I sort of come to Oingo Boingo through Danny Elfman's soundtrack work, only in my case, it's uh, the music of Tim Burton and specifically the Nightmare Before Christmas soundtrack, which I was obsessed <laughs> with from probably age 13 to, I don't know, what am I, 38? Like, absolutely absolutely head over heels obsessed with that movie forever what's this
4: what's this there's color everywhere what's this there's white things in the air what's this i can't believe my eyes i must be dreaming wake up jack this isn't fair what's this what's this what's this there's something very wrong what's this there's people singing songs what's this the streets are lined with little creatures laughing everybody seems so happy have i possibly gone Dappy? what is this
3: what's this and also, his scores the Beetlejuice, uh, to Edward Scissorhands. I actually walked down the aisle at my wedding to the Ice Dance from Edward Scissorhands, because I'm <laughs> hardcore. And I was also a goth in high school, but I wasn't super into like what was considered goth music at the time. So Marilyn Manson, Rob Zombie, really wasn't. Still, kind of am not. But my father, who really has just such a wonderful musical background, of course. Uh, it got me into Steely Dan. He was a big fan of uh, Rodney Dangerfield in the film Back to School. And so he bought me a copy of Dead Man's Party and said, I think you'd like this band. And he was right.
0: Well, as for me, I'm actually, this might surprise some of you. I'm, I'm kind of the doofus noob here with uh, with Oingo Boingo. I've heard, I've, I've known about them for a long time. Uh, but they're a band that, for whatever reason, I just never got around to seriously investigating. I'll, I'll name three reasons why that's ridiculous. One is that they're called Oingo Boingo. Like, what, why wouldn't I like a band with that name? The second is that I've always liked Danny Elfman soundtracks. I mean, what what kind of human being are you if you don't love Breakfast Machine? No kind at all. Is, yeah. is what I say Amen. Th- th- Amen. That's from Pee Wee's Big Adventure Right Yes Yes reason is that uh, Oingo Boingo are purveyors of what's known as Zolo. And I'm not sure if that, I'm still not sure if Zolo is a a genre per se, or more just a general aesthetic, but uh, bands that fall under the Zolo umbrella are bands like uh, Sparks, uh, Split Ends, Early XTC, Devo, Devo for sure. Uh, I've Mm -hmm. even seen uh, General Giant mentioned. It's all this sort of uh, zany off-the-wall kind of music. If, if I like all those bands, you'd, you would think I would like want to listen to Oingo Boingo, who like are in, in kind of the same pile. But I, I never did. Mm. So I, I never really started listening to them uh, for real until I started getting ready for this episode. And now, look what came in the mail for me today.
1: All right. That appears
0: to be look four Oingo Boingo albums, and they appear to be brand new. They're brand new. I got the Boingo Bundle. They're, they're uh, the brand new, uh, <laughs> the brand new set of expanded remasters that just came out in, in August. So I, I picked exactly the right time to get into them, as it turns out.
2: Welcome to the yeah. fold. Uh, Oingo Boingo are an extremely Mike DeFabio band.
1: Mike, I am yeah. so excited <laughs> to hear your thoughts.
3: Jess, I was going to say, like, looking at you, Mike, you look like the guy that would be into Oingo Boingo. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, it was, it's, it's about time I put that right. But uh Rich, how about you give us a history of Oingo Boingo?
4: They say.
2: Today, the name Oingo Boingo is most closely associated with Danny Elfman, but their story actually starts with his older brother, Richard. And as an older brother named Richard, I approve of that. (laughs) So in 1970, Richard (laughs) Elfman lived in Paris, and he worked as a percussionist with the Grand Magic Circus, and he leveraged his influence there to get Danny hired as a violinist. So after touring Europe, Danny left for Africa to wander from town to town and study polyrhythms and percussion with local musicians, which was apparently something you could just do in (laughs) the 70s. That's
3: an extremely 70s sentence. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, you could just
2: globetrot all over the place in the 70s. That's the message I get from every rock memoir from the era I ever read. Uh, Or at least you you could do it for a little while because Danny eventually contracted malaria three times and finally hepatitis and uh, he had to fly back to the United States for treatment. So want, want. I
3: think after the second time, he'd be like, I think I'm going to stop contracting (laughs) malaria.
2: Yeah, he's a trooper. But after his recovery, he regrouped (laughs) with his brother and the two formed the experimental performance art troupe, the Mystic Knights of the Oingo Boingo.
3: Not to be confused with uh, the quest for the Delta
2: Knights. (laughs) Well, the name specifically comes from (laughs) the secret society, the Mystic Knights of the Sea from the TV version of Amos and Andy. Uh, And Oingo Boingo was just gibberish. I I thought it had a really deep meaning.
3: That explains a lot about uh, Forbidden Zone.
2: (laughs) Yeah, uh, we'll get to that. But that movie literally starts with blackface. Yep. So the Knights had a rotating lineup of dozens of performers and put on multimedia cabaret performances that were kind of deliberately unstuck in time. With Danny composing the music, drawing on influences like Django Reinhardt, Cab Calloway, Duke Ellington, and Josephine Baker. They built a cult following and even performed on the Gong Show in 1976. See, I told you it was coming up again. (laughs) And they survived getting gonged off the stage by an extremely 70s panel of Buddy Hackett, Sherry Lewis and Bill Bixby.
0: (sighs) Wow.
4: I tell you, I don't think we should let this group loose again until they develop a vaccine for weirdness.
0: (laughs) I give you E for effort,
4: A
1: for awful and an eight for being very funny. An eight.
0: I'm
2: an anti-vaxxer now. <laughs> <laughs> so Richard Dolphman was a film director by trade, and he spent most of the 70s working on his masterpiece, the aforementioned Forbidden Zone, uh, which he finished in 1979, and it saw a wide release eventually in 1982, or, you know, as wide as it could get with, with a film like this. It, it was probably in, like, art house, like, college theaters and stuff. Uh, but anyway, I say masterpiece in the broadest sense because... The film is completely unbearable art school midnight movie nonsense for extremely high college students. (laughs) And I know a lot of people out there love it. It's a beloved cult film, but I'm not denigrating your opinion, but it's not my thing. But it does have a really awesome soundtrack performed by basically the first version of Oingo Boingo as we know them today.
3: It's very bad. There are a couple moments, namely uh, Danny Elfman. As the devil?
2: Yes, I actually have a Singing clip of ab- that. Uh, so the yes. film the film's most memorable sequence by some distance it features Danny Elfman as Satan wearing a white suit, Mickey Mouse gloves, and a billy goat beard and horns, and he performs Cab Calloway's Minnie the Moocher.
4: Well, son, let me tell you, I'm so pleased to meet you. The boys and I've been expecting to greet you. As guests of honor in the house of the dead, Just relax. Self-down, say goodbye to your hand. Hide. Ho. Ho.
1: I have not watched this and I don't plan to.
2: I don't think it'll be your thing, Amanda. I know <laughs> it's guess. barely mine.
1: That said. Can we
3: t- I mean, Susan Tyrell doing Witch's Egg. There are a couple songs worth listening to. Uh, and the opening number, Forbidden Zone, is sung by Danny Elfman. Spectacular. Spectacular.
2: The movie features a great soundtrack by the Mystic Knights, including the title theme, which plays over the closing credits. Like The the music is great, and that sets the stage for the next phase of Oingo Boingo's career. At this point, Danny split off from the troupe and rebooted the project, dropping Mystic Knights from their name and going on as an eight-piece new wave band named Oingo Boingo. They released a self-titled EP in 1980 and their full-length debut LP Only a Lad in 1981. So Only a Lead is a very entertaining album, but uh, by today's standards, it has kind of an edgelord streak. Like with Danny Elfman serving as equal opportunity offender, it features a punk rock song about how great capitalism is, a Queen-style pocket symphony about masturbation, and the infamous Little Girls, a song about how pedophiles are people too. The album got some attention on Los Angeles radio with the title track, which is a satirical anthem about sociopaths that ends with Danny giving a full-throated call for capital punishment. (laughs) Like I said, he was out to piss people off.
1: I love that album, though. Edgelord and everything. I know. like It's I, really fun. I really it like is. Little Girls. It's so terrible, but it's so catchy. Oh, see, God I, damn it. I have to pretend that one doesn't exist and just start the album with Perfect System.
2: So between their abrasive, busy, scoff, punk, new wave, whatever sound, Zolo, I guess, uh, and their in-your-face lyrics, Oingo Boingo weren't out to make friends, and critics in the early 80s hated them. Uh, but they also attracted a sizable cult following and a reputation as a phenomenal, energetic, extremely visual live band. They put out a steady stream of releases throughout the '80s, including 1982's "Nothing to Fear," 1983's "Good for Your Soul," and 1985's "Dead Man's Party," which is the subject of today's episode. And there's also a Danny Elfman solo album called "Solo," which is effectively an Oingo Boingo album. And but I don't, it's not very good, so it's not really worth mentioning. <laughs>
3: Hey, it's Got Sucker for Mystery and Gratitude.
2: Gratitude is a great song, yeah. That was that And before we start, I didn't do a run through of Oingo Boingo's changing lineup, Mystic Knights or otherwise, because if I, if I named every single band member, we'd be here all night. There were dozens of people in the in the Mystic Knights over the years. It was a total revolving door. Uh, mm-hmm. But the lineup for this album consists of Elfman, guitarist Steve Bartek, percussionist Johnny Vatos Hernandez, bassist John Avila, keyboardist Mike Basich. And the three-man horn section of Sam Sluggo Phipps on tenor saxophone, Leon Schneiderman on alto and baritone saxophone, and Dale Turner on trumpet and trombone.
3: Supposedly, Dale Turner has a house around here. Hmm. My husband's barber uh, has cut his hair.
2: What I love about the horn section is if you watch their if you watch their music videos, all of the other band members like change with the times, but like the three horn section <laughs> members are kind of stuck in time. Like they're they're a constant. They always look the same.
3: <laughs> horn section dudes always do. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs>
0: But that's Oingo Boingo. Let's get this party started. All right. Well, before we start the party, if you'd like to sign up for a monthly donation and support the ongoing production of Discord and Rhyme, head over to patreon.com slash If you sign up, you'll get some fun perks, including more than 20 exclusive bonus episodes. For those of you who want more of the weird stuff, Will and I just talked about a chance to cut is a chance to cure. Matmos's concept album about medical technology
2: at least three times weirder than any zolo album i can think of
3: oh my it's God. a
0: strange one yeah <laughs> if you have any questions or feedback about the show you can find us on twitter at discord pod and you can also shoot us an email at discordpod@gmail.com. At also if you're listening to us on apple podcasts it would help the show get recommended to other apple users if you left us a rating or review And if you're not on Apple, spread the word any way you can. We're a small, independent podcast, and word of mouth is one of the primary ways for us to draw in new listeners. So with that, let's start the album off with track one, Just Another Day.
4: trust that is I don't believe
1: What an amazing song. This is one that I've always liked, but as I've been prepping for this episode, I've loved it more and more and more and more every time I hear it. The first thing you notice about it, at least if you're like me and kind of skipped straight from Only a Lad to Dead Man's Party when you were first getting into the band, is that Danny Elfman is actually singing now instead of sort of yelping in tune the way he did before, (laughs) and he's good at it. And the the next thing you notice, again, if you're like me and have listened to Dark at the End of the Tunnel a lot, is that they reused that same opening for the song Skin. There it is. Yeah, another great song. Oh, I love that one. Uh, And what even is that? That's a marimba, right? That's a marimba. Well, in this song, I think it's some Mm -hmm. kind
0: of synth synth marimba.
3: I think we can all safely assume that it's
1: probably a skeleton. Well, obviously, like that's a but cage, it's a skeleton right? meant to sound oh, like yeah. a marimba.
3: Of course
2: it is. I figured yeah. it was some sort of synthesizer riff because it's way <laughs> too regular.
1: It is. It sounds programmed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the song is extremely tense and spooky, like a lot of the best Boingo Boingo songs are. And they've let go of that Edgelord act that they had going on in the early albums. So now we just get this very pure expression of existential dread. Yeah. <laughs> And Elfman's voice has matured quite a bit as well, along with his songwriting. And I get the feeling he was just a more confident singer by this time. And he's a very idiosyncratic vocalist. I don't think I've ever heard anyone else quite like him. And all those quirks are still around, but there's a more powerful voice to back them up now. And then he soars up into that falsetto. That's the kind of detail that really makes the song great.
3: Yeah, he really leans into that operatic style oh, He's so on this good album. at
1: it. Now, I do tend to dock points for songs where the chorus is just the same line four times. Like, I don't dislike them all on principle, but it does mean usually the rest of the song has to be pretty great to make up for it. But not only is that the case here, but lucky for me, the song has two choruses. (laughs) It honestly kind of sounds like he wrote two choruses for the song and couldn't quite decide which one to use, so he just put them both in. But of they course. each serve a purpose. They they mean different things at the as the song progresses. So it works out really well. And that second one When did Synchronicity come out? 83. 83. Yeah. 83 you guys remember existed. top stop your heads. 83. Okay, this was in 1985. And that second chorus reminds me a lot of King of Pain. Mm. I can hear that, yeah. There's a king on a throne with his eyes torn out, there's a skeleton looking for a shadow of doubt, et cetera, et cetera. It's it's the same kind of format. And I love King of Pain. So (laughs) I don't I don't know if it's deliberate, but I like that a lot.
2: Reminds
0: me of King of Swade by Weird Al Yankovic.
1: Of course, it does. <laughs> Which sounds remarkably similar. Get out of here! I, th-
0: I thought you were going to mention. I thought you were going to compare it to uh, Synchronicity One because it's also got those synth marimbas. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! It
1: does. You're right.
3: Synchronicity 2, which is anti-capitalism and has a monster. Yeah. Yeah. And is also very tense. It just
2: sounds like the entire Synchronicity album, including Mother. Yeah.
3: yeah. Mother is like an Oingo Boingo song that Oingo Boingo didn't write.
0: Libby, what are your thoughts on this one?
3: This is one that, it's funny because, Amanda, like you, I went through like a big Oingo Boingo phase and then just didn't listen to them for years. Not even like a little bit like... You know, I would mm-hmm. sort of binge this album, especially in grad school. I sort of got re into them, but this song, man, is that 2020 in a nutshell? Yeah, <laughs> just like <laughs> yeah. it actually gave me like a little bit of a flashback. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, why wasn't I listening to this last year to sort of balm how terrible everything was? It felt a little bit ominous in that way like holy shit is Danny Elfman a time traveler I just I love his voice so much because it is so beautiful it's one of those beautiful rock and roll voices and it's again like it's it's so operatic it never falls into like that musical theater
0: trap Mm, yeah
3: like there's something very like pure and wounded and delicate about it I'm that I just, I absolutely fall in love with. And I actually got to see him perform. So he doesn't, obviously Ongo Boingo broke up, but he performs The Nightmare Before Christmas mm-hmm. now, every Halloween. Um, he's doing it uh, again this year, I think at the Hollywood Bowl.
1: Yeah, I think that's where and they usually uh, do it. I'm dying to see that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, with Billie Eilish as um, oh, wow. Sally. Huh. Yeah. But I got to see him uh, with the New York Philharmonic And his voice is still, it's still so beautiful. I started to cry. I cried through the whole thing. It was just like, it's overwhelmingly beautiful. And when I hear this song, that is, that's the closest it comes, I think, to that experience. So like that Danny Elfman that I love so much. And you hear that in like Jack's Lament and some of the others. Mm -hmm.
2: Well, he hasn't worn out his voice with additional decades of touring with a rock band, which I think helps a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah,
3: Yeah, because he blew out his hearing. (laughs) <laughs> That's why it isn't tour anymore.
2: So one reason I'm really glad we picked Dead Man's Party as the album to cover is because for my money, it features the two greatest songs Oingo Boingo ever did. And Just Another Day is one of them. Like, Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned, this is on a whole higher tier of songwriting than anything on their first several albums. Uh, Like, first off, like Amanda said, the song has two choruses, but it also pulls off a songwriting trick that Mike has mentioned before on this podcast, which is tricking the listener into thinking that the pre-chorus is the chorus. Yeah. uh, And then surprising Mm -hmm. you with the real chorus the second time around. And by (laughs) pre-chorus, I'm thinking of the part where Elfman's voice kind of soars into a falsetto, and then the chorus is the title is when he says the title Uh, and they do a similar thing on the song gray matter from nothing to fear. But I I think it sounds a lot more natural and organic on this song, but Mm -hmm. where just another day really gets me is like Libby said, the lyrics. I I think I, I personally think this is the most frightening song Elfman has ever written. Like a, a lot of Boingo's music is about fear and it's about death, but, but this song is it's different. It's about how terrifying it is to be alive, which is really heavy. Yeah. Like, there's a very non-specific existential brand of terror here that cuts right to the bone for me. Like, like, just listen to this stanza. It's just another day. There's murder in the air. It drags me when I walk. I smell it everywhere. It's just another day where people cling to light to drive away the fear that comes with every night. Like, let me say that's some 2020 energy right there. And uh, I would argue also 2021 energy. And I could keep going, but just talking about these lyrics makes me anxious because it so yeah, accurately yeah. describes my train of thought at any given moment.
3: <laughs> I think maybe that's why I stayed away from this album for a while, is because mm-hmm. it, there's a lot of darkness on it. Yeah, but it's also yeah. in such funny contrast to a song we'll get to later. You know, again, like that existential dread when you get to um, "No one lives forever." Oh yeah, mm-hmm. complete opposite side of the coin.
0: Yeah, this is a this is a terrific song. I've only been listening to it for the last couple weeks or so, but I'm right there with Amanda. It gets better every time I hear it. Mm-hmm. I f- forgot how good a singer Danny Elfman was because you know I I saw Nightmare Before Christmas when it came out but I haven't seen it in a long time so I I forgot that he's got that real he's got a real singing voice there and it's and Libby you're absolutely right that that it's yeah he's got a a theatrical quality but it's not like Broadway style there's like a real there's there's a soul in there and uh that uh synth marimba at the beginning what it reminds me of it, it really should be the other way around but uh song kind of makes me think of a band uh, called dutch uncles i've got a track from from one of their albums this is from from uh their 2013 album out of touch in the wild it's called fester <laughs>
3: Yeah. I love a marimba I just I absolutely because again because it's the music of skeletons that's what skeletons listen to can't believe I'm the only one dancing over here you guys dance when here hear <laughs> the
1: music and this is a dance party this album
2: this is yeah. yeah
1: get it together
2: I think it's another kind of party
0: too right Mike it is it's not just any kind of party it's a dead man's party who could ask for more
2: If Just Another Day is a song about how terrifying it is to be alive, Dead Man's Party is a song about how awesome it is to be dead.
5: <laughs> the
2: music video for this song and the album cover were inspired by the Mexican holiday Dia de los Muertos, or the Day of the Dead. And I have to admit that most of my knowledge of the Day of the Dead comes from the movie Coco and the video games Grim Fandango and Guacamelee. <laughs> yes. So my limited understanding is that death is treated as a cause for joyful celebration rather than mourning and something that coexists with life. It's a holiday associated with vibrant colors instead of funereal gray. And that's definitely the vibe I get from Dead Man's Party.
3: Absolutely. Mm
2: -hmm. So we'll get to Oingo Boingo's biggest chart hit later on in the album. But this is their signature song, the track that captures the essence of the band. And I never, ever get tired of hearing it. It's a Halloween party staple, and it has a vibrant party rock atmosphere while just slightly throwing you off. I had to confirm this with Amanda, who's better at music theory than I am, but uh, the time signature for this song is mostly in 4-4, but they'll occasionally throw in a measure of 2-4 at the in my sleep and at the door <laughs> parts, so you can't so you can't dance to it without jerking around just a little bit. It's just unsettling enough. So there are actually two widely circulated versions of this song. The one I would always hear on the radio as a teenager is a live in the studio version from their 1988 album, Boingo Alive. It's mostly identical, except that it's slightly more energetic, and it opens with a dramatic build instead of starting on a dime. Definitely prefer this one to the album version, but I know this is a point where Amanda and I disagree.
1: Yes, we do. I'm going to side with Amanda here. Oh, thank <laughs> you. Yeah, yeah. I, wow. I, I guess I can see your point about the buildup, but to me, it feels like they jump straight into the variations on the theme before we know what we're actually varying. Mm-hmm. So I that's think a good, I, that's a good way to put it. I think it kind of throws you off, and I, I really prefer starting with the guitar hook rather than the horn hook, and the percussion. I think in that. Rerecording got really toned down and it's all just kind of smoothed mm. out. It take, takes off all the edge that I like about the original.
2: I like the intro on that version because it feels really cinematic. Like I, I mentioned back in the Daft Punk episode that I hosted that their compositions became a lot more dramatic once they started doing film scores. And that's mm. how I feel about this intro. It's like Elfman giving you like a little sneak preview of snippets that you're going to hear in their proper context later on in the song. Uh, have any of you seen the the Battlestar Galactica TV show? No. No. <laughs> Cri- crickets. Well, after the opening title theme, <laughs> it does this thing where it shows you like a super cut of like moments from the episode that you're about to see. Uh, and some people loved it and a lot of people hated it because they thought that they were being given spoilers. I'm one of the people in the former camp because I thought that it like they wouldn't show you anything that they didn't want you to see. And it was cool to see it recontextualized later. And that's kind of how I feel about hmm. this intro. But- I do like
3: that the horns are bigger in, in the live version. There's yeah. a little more energy there, but I'm going to have to go with the... Uh, uh, the recorded version and absolutely this is a Halloween party staple. I'm really big on music for Halloween parties. Cause I really like having people dance and I hate when you go to a Halloween party and they're not playing Halloween music.
5: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like there's yeah. so
3: much. And like, I'm sorry. If you don't play Dead Man's Party at your Halloween party, you've screwed up. You've ruined it. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it's you're so not obvious. even celebrating Halloween. Yeah. Don't bother. The best Halloween but, party uh, I
1: ever went to, the hostess was playing a mix that her dad had made, and the first song on it was Hell's Bells, and the second song <laughs> was Dead Man's Party. And this was the year my husband and I dressed up as Sid Vicious and Nancy Spungen. And we Love heard it. the second song, and we were like, this is going to be a fun night, and it was. Yeah.
3: Yeah, no, I always, I always, always, always play this. Um, I think this was probably the first one that I really like heard. Um, And of course it was in Back to School and they play the song live in in Back to School.
2: Yeah, they play it Um, at a house party, which means that the music video is filled with a bunch of incongruous clips of Rodney Dangerfield.
3: Which (laughs) is like awesome, but also, and it's not, it's not a Halloween party if I'm remembering correctly.
2: No, I don't, I don't, I don't. it's been a while since I've seen Back to School and I don't think I've seen it start to finish and I don't think I ever will, but uh, I just remember them playing it at House oh, Party. Back to
3: School is great.
2: Okay. I'll, I'll put it on the list.
3: But yeah, this is, it's so fun and vibrant and I do, I, I, I think especially in a year like this where there has been so much stuff and so much awfulness, I, it is kind of a reminder to celebrate the lives that have gone on. And that's very hard in these times, but sometimes you need that reminder. One of my favorite Halloween costumes came from a lyric in this song. I'll send you guys a photo, but um, I I called it the ferryman's wife and it was the, uh, the line, I've got my best suit and my tie, a shiny silver dollar on either eye, and I bought makeup <laughs> that will probably come back to kill me but this beautiful silver makeup and painted Mm. these silver dollars over my eyes and wore like this beautiful corset that made my boobs look so good (laughs) No idea, guys they look so good and this long black dress and these skeleton gloves and it just it was like such a weird very oingo boingo kind of costume but i was very proud of it sounds great so I'll send pictures. But yeah, it was directly inspired by this. But then I had to explain to everybody like, I'm a lyricist Danny Hoffman song.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to explain how much I love Dead Man's Party. Well, I guess I already did. I spent a week and a half downloading it at MP3 form. <laughs> on a dial-up connection. Because That I'm was a sure- week well spent. We had the CD, but that was back when you had to download special software to rip a CD into MP3s, Mm -hmm. and it was easier to just download the song. Off of an MIRC channel, (laughs) uh, (laughs) the album version of this is well over six minutes long with lengthy instrumental passages, and every single second of it is well earned. There are at least Three distinct hooks in here. All of them are excellent and they all deserve to be fully explored. So I love that they went ahead and let the song be as big as it needs to be, but no bigger. Because I think if it had gotten inflated anymore, it might have just collapsed in on itself. As it is. Like a big old souffle. Exactly. It's perfect. And... Just for the icing on the cake, several years ago, I was poking around on YouTube and I found a video where somebody took the song and set it to images from The Nightmare Before Christmas and Corpse Bride. And the editing job <laughs> is incredible. I'm blowing Libby's mind right now.
2: Libby has a um, beaming smile on her face.
1: So it. <laughs> I also as The Corpse Bride one year. Oh, Danny nice. Elfman's like in in my whole blood. Uh, so yeah, they made it look like Jack Skellington is singing the song. I mean, I can't imagine how many hours of work went into this, but I want that video playing on a giant projector screen as people arrive at my funeral. <laughs> it is spectacular,
0: Mike, Mike. I want to know what you think of this one. Oh, uh, this is a this is a bona fide Halloween classic, and uh, this is it's uh, one of the few Oingo Boingo songs that I was familiar with before I started. Preparing for this episode, and it was it was the the re-recording, the Boingo Alive version that I, I was familiar with. Uh, so I was very surprised to to discover that that horn hook doesn't appear until like four minutes in on the album version. I like that. I like that they make you wait for it. <sighs> Up until that point, the the main instrumental hook of the song is that little snaky guitar line that i love so much yeah. um so I'm, I'm sorry rich it's it's uh it's three against one here i prefer <laughs> i prefer the album version I, I did frame this as a battle <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's uh i do think the the boingo alive version makes sense as like a a concert opener because yeah. I can imagine I can imagine the house lights going down, the stage is all dark, and then you hear da, 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 and the <laughs> and everybody audience goes loses crazy. their
1: damn minds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: And yeah, if any, any Halloween party you go to that doesn't have this on the playlist is one that you need to leave. Mm-hmm.
3: And it needs to be like early on. Yeah. Because I always divide yeah. my Halloween mixes. When I used to make them on CDs, there was like intro music, so that would be like mm-hmm. some Chris Frenna from the uh, the soundtrack to American McGee's Alice, maybe like um, Little Nightmare Before Christmas. It always like you knew dancing was about to start because I play Masquerade from Phantom oh, of the Opera. Oh, nice! And then it went like I think it might have gone directly into Dead Man's Party.
0: All right, let's move on to track three. This is Heard Somebody Cry.
2: So, Heard Somebody Cry is one of the most forgotten anonymous songs in the Boingo catalog, by my estimation. And they never replayed it live, not even once, at least according to Setlist.fm. It's the album track that gets to hang with the Cool Cats on side one. But I really, really like it. Yeah. I think it's a great example of a certain type of song you only heard during the album era. And I hate to inform you guys, but the album era is over, it is past.
1: Mm tragically we're trying so hard Aww. to hold on
2: to it but it's like a support song that holds up the girders of the album it, it's not a grout track as mike has put it a few times uh, this is too <laughs> well structured too carefully considered to be a mere grout uh, it's more like a great character actor in a movie who never wins awards like louise guzman
3: it is the walton goggins oh. Walton, oh, walton, walton, up, walton
2: goggins is too famous now i think it's Luis guzman personally Okay. So I think what holds this song back from competing in the big leagues is that it's more of an arrangement than a song. And Amanda, I think you're going to like this comparison. It specifically reminds me of the song Hide in Your Shell from Super Tramp's Crime of the Century. Oh. like, a, <laughs> So Hide in Your Shell is nobody's favorite Super Tramp song. Uh, you know, if you're like me and Amanda and have thought about your favorite Super Tramp song.
1: <laughs> it's not my favorite, but I love Hide in Your Shell. Hide in Your Shell.
2: also a rare Oingo Boingo guitar solo in the middle of the song from Steve Bartek. I wanted to spotlight a bit from Steve Bartek in particular because, uh, well, the members of Boingo Boingo have generally parted ways, but Bartek and Elfman actually still closely collaborate to this day. Uh, Bartek does the orchestration for basically all of Danny Elfman's Mm -hmm. film scores. They're a partnership.
1: And very, very fun fact about Steve Bartek. He was in the Strawberry Alarm Clock, and I'm pretty sure he co-wrote Incense and Peppermints. Oh, wow. Other fun fact, he was
3: the supervisor on the soundtrack to Meet the Deedles. Which is, one day we will cover on OST Party, but we're not looking forward to it.
2: He has quite the resume. He's still working (laughs) steadily to this day. Steve Bartek is a G.
3: (laughs) What really elevates this one for me, because I think I understand that coming off of Just Another Day with its beautiful operatic vocals and then just the rockin' party that is Dead Man's Party, this one feels very commercial. This sounds like Mm. a song that you would hear on the radio until it hits the chorus and then it's got that that elfman vocal style where it's it's too pretty for radio in a way and he he elevates it from there and i his voice is really sexy there's something so sensual about it Mm -hmm. and i think this track really really celebrates that.
2: (laughs) I'm glad there's so much love for Danny Elfman, the vocalist in this episode, because no one ever talks about him, his vocals and they're great. Yeah,
1: that's crazy. Cause I I, like what Libby said earlier about him being theatrical, but not like Broadway musical theater was right on because he is very theatrical, but in unbearable avant-garde performance art style, only he's got the skill and the talent and the chops to back that up. So he just sounds Mm -hmm. really cool instead of pretentious and awful.
3: He's like if Josh Groban and David Byrne had a baby.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You know? (laughs) You know? I have kind of thought- I want
2: to hear that meet cute.
1: I've kind of thought he sounds a little (laughs) like a cross between Rick Ocasek and Tom Petty. That works too. The other uh, point I wanted to make about this song is the continuation of exploring the theme we've already established of life versus death. Cause you know, we start off with living is terrifying and then being dead is great. And then this one is like, hang on. And am I really dead? That can't be right. (laughs) (laughs) It just like trying to come to terms with that and being in denial. I mean, I might be wrong about what the song is about, but that's how I read it. And I think it's a really nifty continuation of that theme, which is not done.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I I like this one. This is, it's, it's uh, I agree with Rich. It's a really good album track. It's a good track three. (laughs) <laughs> uh, uh, hide
2: in your shell by super tramp is also a good track three.
1: Oh yeah it is oh hey
0: but it's 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 a great track three because it's it's not as hype as the first two it doesn't get you excited the way they do but it's once you once you get into it a little bit it's it's really good it's got there's a lot going on in it i really like this might this, this is as, as good a time as any to talk about how much i like how Goofy, the keyboards are yeah. on this whole album. It's like <laughs> yeah. you, you you listen to any you know five seconds from any song on this album, and you you think uh, Danny Elfman was involved in this. There are <laughs> keyboards from albums from the mid '80s that you hear now, and and, and you're saying, eh, that 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 doesn't sound as cool as it probably did when they recorded it. But these keyboards, I don't think they ever sounded cool. They're just they're just goofy. <laughs> they're they're like they're like Pee Wee's Playhouse keyboards. <laughs> I like any band that can take keyboard sounds that ridiculous and just go with them.
5: (laughs) Agreed. (laughs) Yep.
0: All right. Let's move on to track four. Last song on side one. No one lives forever. That's the way I like it, baby. (laughs)
1: Party in a can. Yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Rich and Libby, back on our Duran Duran episode, you guys talked about that episode of The Shield where they bug the one guy's car and catch him singing Hungry Like the Wolf.
2: Yeah. yeah. Classic moment. My
1: <laughs> worst nightmare is somebody bugging my car while No One Lives Forever is on. I party down <laughs> when, this co- when this song comes on. I have to be careful at stoplights because people can see me.
3: <laughs> You're my hero, Amanda. This is so good. I love you so much.
1: <laughs> right back at you, babe. <laughs> this is very much constructed on the same framework as Dead Man's Party. It's got two big hooks, one on the guitar and one on the horns, with lengthy instrumental breaks to fill out those hooks. Um, and this one also has this part in the middle that sounds like cartoon ghosts. <laughs> I
3: feel should be dancing
1: to it, that headbanging cat.
2: Yeah, it's got some heffalumps and woozles energy.
1: You know what it reminds me of is <laughs> the ghosts all flying upwards in the haunted mansion at Disney World. Yeah. That is my favorite thing at Disney, by the way. The Eddie Murphy <laughs> film?
0: Yes, Rich.
2: <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> got the deaf stare from Amanda.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, the melody in that cartoon ghost section is almost identical to the instrumental break in their cover of You Really Got Me. this is a band that was not afraid to reuse things if they were good. But you know, I think this song is even better than Dead Man's Party. It is very tight, very focused and purposeful, and it's super intense. Plus, this is Steve Bartek's time to shine. I just love that rattling noise he makes at the very beginning. And it it pops up again throughout the song off and on. And that riff, it might not be the most innovative guitar riff in the world, but it sounds like somebody sanding a piece of metal and it rocks my face off. (laughs) And the song is just incredibly well produced. There is a lot to it, but it sounds so clean. So all the details come through and this really pays off if you're listening to it through good headphones. I caught a ton of really awesome details like these demented howls in the beginning that are panned just slightly left and right, and they sound really, really spooky. And then there's the vocal overdubs that are just a little bit off the beat and make the lyrics sound even scarier than they already are. And speaking of which, this is the next twist on that lyrical theme we've been exploring this whole time, because now being alive is amazing because you can spend all your time playing tricks on death until he catches up with you. So the song, it starts off intense and it just... Builds and builds and builds and builds until the last verse, where everything it has brought up to this point starts happening all at once, and it leads to honestly, maybe the best ending to a song I've ever heard in my life.
2: Yeah, it's great. And he's rapping right there. He's busting some
1: yeah. rhymes. Yeah. <laughs> and I highly recommend watching the performance of this song from their Farewell concert. It's up on YouTube, and it is incredible.
2: Indeed. I'll be talking a little bit about live Oingo Boingo later, but you should definitely mm-hmm. watch that Farewell concert. It is so yeah. good. So I mentioned that this album features the two greatest Oingo Boingo songs of all time, and this is the other one. Yeah. This song is unbelievable. It feels like a bridge of sorts between Danny Elfman, the new wave frontman, and Danny Elfman, the film composer. Like it, he could have literally just put this on the soundtrack to *The Nightmare Before Christmas*. You know, if if he wanted to scare a bunch of kids about their own mortality, which is a noble cause, <laughs> I think. Uh, but Amanda has already said everything I ever could have wanted to say about this song specifically. Uh, so I have a brief bit about Elfman's film scoring career and the influences that went into it because they're pretty wild. So director Tim Burton was a big fan of Oingo Boingo in the early days, and he asked uh, Danny Elfman to write the score for his feature film Pee-wee's Big Adventure, which came out in theaters just a few months before Dead Man's Party came out. Elfman has had a very prolific career in the decades since, but to this day, it remains one of his best love scores. Ah, yes. Yeah, this is the best one. (laughs) Yeah, and to jog your memory, that song is called Clown Dream, and it comes from the scene where Pee-Wee is having a nightmare where his stolen bike is being destroyed by killer clowns.
3: <laughs> Elfman doesn't get enough credit for how amazingly he uses string sections, because we don't hear yeah. it on, on Oingo Boingo. It's so great with, with the horns. His strings are masterful.
2: Yeah, definitely. Really
3: spectacular.
2: But Danny Elfman actually had misgivings about this gig at first because he wasn't a trained composer, but he had seen a lot of movies and he drew upon a few very specific influences for his film scoring work. So one of them was the Italian composer Nino Rota, who did the themes for The Godfather, Romeo and Juliet, and Federico Fellini's films Eight and a Half, Amarcord, La Dolce Vita, and La Strada. And I'm going to play a clip from that last score right now.
1: That started off as a night on Bald Mountain and then turned into the circus. <laughs>
3: <laughs> this just seems like something Danny Hoffman would do. Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh! That's the breakfast machine!
3: He's the Billy Joel of film scores. He's just ripping other people off. <laughs>
2: So Danny Elfman's other major influence was Bernard Herrmann, an American composer who did the scores for Citizen Kane, The Day the Earth Stood Still, Taxi Driver, and a long stretch of films by Alfred Hitchcock, including Psycho. And you can can probably already play the score from the shower scene from Psycho in your head. Uh, So instead, I'm going to play a clip of the main theme.
1: That is very scary.
2: Yeah, this is like, I think this is like Janet Lee in the car, like, driving to the hotel. Yeah. But yeah, and Libby was saying earlier that, like, Danny Elfman is really good with string sections and that the Psycho score is famous for being strings only. So I I can imagine Elfman just, like, sitting and listening to it over and over and over again. But what I'm trying to illustrate here is that you can hear how these influences fed into Danny Elfman's film scoring career. But a lot of that same influence went into Oingo Boingo. No Forever is kind of Elfman at an artistic crossroad, looking back and looking forward before his work in film scoring
0: became his primary claim to fame.
3: Spectacular.
0: This rules.
3: <laughs> yes,
1: it does.
0: <laughs> if you're going to make me think about my ever-looming mortality and also that of my dog, you better <laughs> make me want to dance while you're doing it. And this one does that. This is so... I mean, that riff, like, like Amanda mentioned, it, it's not a, a super complicated riff, but it's... So effective. And I've been racking my brain trying to think of where I've heard something very similar to that. And I can't think of one. It sounds like it should be, you know, a Metallica riff or (laughs) or ministry or something. And it just it accidentally wound up in an Oingo Boingo song played like you're at the circus. (sighs) I also want to mention that this was used uh, very well in the cinematic masterpiece Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Uh near the Oscar beginning. winner
1: Renee Zellweger? <laughs> Is she in that? I believe so. I think I heard that. Uh, Unless there was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3.
0: but I've I've only seen the 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 opening, you know, seven minutes or so um while I was researching this song. And uh it's it it plays while these these two guys get chainsawed while driving across a, a very long bridge. Uh and they're simultaneously uh, on the air at a local radio station who I, I guess don't have the necessary technology to hang up the phone. <laughs> um, and, and this song plays throughout. It, I, I we, We'll have to put a, a link to it in the show notes because I I can't adequately explain how completely ridiculous it is.
3: There was a Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3, and that was the one that starred Renee Zellweger. Uh-huh. Ah, oh, yeah.
1: There okay. you go. I'm very smart.
3: You are. Thanks, internet. Oh, I'm, thanks, cell phone. Again, this album is terrifyingly current yeah. because it's important sometimes to adapt a stoic mindset and to think that, no, no one lives forever. And I think we all thought, like, yeah, we'll be able to go to nightclubs and see our friends and hug our grandmas for the rest <laughs> of our lives. Nope. No, 2020 took all that away. So why hide no one lives forever we have and that's not in a like anti-mask uh you know go out and lick doorknobs kind of way (laughs) but it is a call to action that we need to just simply enjoy the days we have because we do not know how long they last Mm -hmm. so do not waste what precious days you have upon this earth they end all too soon,
1: and the vocal in this song is the closest to what you hear on the Nightmare Before Christmas. This is a very Jack Skellington mm. vocal part, especially the verse about the dog when he goes ten short years. That's it's perfectly <laughs> Jack Skellington, and this is the song where my daughter, who is eleven, she recognized the voice because she is a well-brought-up child, and we watch the Nightmare Before Christmas every year. And she said, "Where do I know this from?" I said, "It's Danny Elfman. He did the Nightmare Before Christmas movie." And then she got really mad that this song is not in the
2: movie. <laughs> I haven't seen the movie in a really long time. I saw it as a kid, uh, and I remember going to like the. So I went with a. I went to a laser show with my dad. That <laughs> I went to a lot of laser shows with my dad. Actually, he was a laser show kind of dad. Uh, that and
3: explains a lot about you. <laughs>
2: Yeah, <laughs> It is kind of synesthesia in a way. Mm-hmm. But one of the nights was devoted to songs kids like. And uh, one of them was What's This from The Nightmare Before Christmas. And by then I'd gotten into Oingo Boingo and I had like a head exploding moment of like, that's Danny Elfman. <laughs> oh my God.
3: The Nightmare Before Christmas is great, but you have to not think about it because if you really look at it, the message is don't try anything new. It will end badly. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It's kind of the undercurrent of that film. And you'll traumatize a lot of people along the way.
0: <laughs> All right. Let's move on then to the first track on side two of the LP. This is Stay. And this time, Mike,
2: I don't have a super cut of other songs named Stay. You're safe. <sighs> Thank God. Space. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs>
0: big, isn't it? it? It was a reflex. Ah!
2: The song was apparently an enormous hit in Brazil, like to the point where it was the title of a Brazil only Oingo Boingo compilation album with tracks spanning most of their career. So make of that what you will. I want it. (laughs) Go get it. (laughs) Play it on record Saturday. Yeah. So side two of Dead Man's Party in general is a big drop off from side one, but it starts with a winner and an uncommonly straightforward song by Oingo Boingo standards.
3: And an uncommonly sentimental one.
2: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
3: This is a straight up love song.
2: So one mainstay of the Oingo Boingo sound is that they're an octet and they let you know it. (laughs) Elfman writes busy arrangements that tend to cram all eight instrumentalists into like every crevice of the mix. And, and, And if you're not in the mood, it can be overwhelming. Now, state isn't exactly an exception to this rule because it's like loaded with drum fills and horn charts on the margins. Uh, But otherwise, it's a surprisingly spare atmospheric pop ballad by the normal Oingo Boingo standard. And it must be said once again, I also really, really like Danny Elfman's vocal performance here. Like he isn't a technically gifted singer, I guess, but he's able to hit all of the notes and he fills the rest of the gap with like personality and theatricality, kind of like Simon Lebon, since I need to mention Simon Lebon as often as possible on this podcast.
3: Your contract is filled.
2: Yeah, we have to justify our name.
3: This is one that I come back to a lot in just it's sort of casual boingo boingo listening because I feel like. You've, you just have to listen to all of Dead Man's Party, like the whole thing. But this is one that I can separate out from that. Um, I've got a real soft spot for this song. It reminds me a lot of my friend Jason. And I think especially because we've always lived kind of far apart. So we feel like we never have enough time when we do get to see each other. And there's also, again, it's sort of a looming threat, this looming sense of what waits outside these doors and that... There is nothing but disorder out there. But if you just stay, if we can just get through one more night, it's sort of um, uh, lyrically, uh, kind of reminds me of the Great Pagoda of Fun by Donald Fagan, thus fulfilling my contract to mention <laughs> Steely Dan as often as I can. But no, it's that same sort of like if we're in here, if we're enclosed, then we're safe from what awaits outside.
1: That is a really interesting interpretation. Libby, that you're hearing it as his defense against the disorder outside because I hear this as deceptively straightforward. I think it's actually really creepy because the way I hear this song is really similar, actually, to Nick Cave's song, Nobody's Baby Now, which sounds like a normal-ish breakup ballad until you listen to the lyrics and you start to suspect that he murdered her. And in Stay. Oh, well, it is Nick Cave. Yeah. So it's entirely possible. And Stay, the way I hear this is the narrator is holding a woman against her will. And then in the chorus, making himself out to be the victim because she doesn't want to stay there. Is the very first line is this is not the first time you've tried to get away. <laughs> yeah. And then he goes on to describe all the ways in which she is not in a safe or familiar environment. It's really <laughs> well done and it's really sneaky. <laughs>
3: Oh, thanks for ruining that for me. I know. I'm sorry.
2: (laughs) I mean, it it is more sentimental than your standard Oingo Boingo song. It just has that like creepy Danny Elfman twist.
1: Right. It's a very emotional (laughs) and sentimental song, but in the style of Oingo Boingo. Oh,
3: and I added that Oingo Boingo compilation to my Discogs.
1: Oh, awesome. awesome. (laughs) (laughs) And talking about... Danny Elfman singing again, which we've done a lot because he has such a remarkable singing voice. I was reading recently a lot about how vocal interpretation is vitally important to any given song. And so Danny Elfman might not be able to pull off, say, Moon River, but on the other hand, I'd like to hear Dean Martin try to sing Stay without making a fool of himself.
3: This is him at his most vulnerable, I think. He lets his his vocals be a little more muted, a little gentler. Um, You know, he's not trying to belt it. Um, And he's not as mournful. There's a little bit of that, but it's not as heavy as, say, Just Another Day.
1: Yeah. Hmm. And finally, I noticed that this song has a lot more Spotify streams than most of the other tracks on the album, so I looked it up and discovered that it was in Donnie Darko. We've talked about almost that whole soundtrack by now.
2: Yeah, what's left? I don't remember it from the regular version of Donnie Darko, but it's been a while since I've seen it. It, Is it in the director's cut version? Because I know that that has some different songs in it.
1: I'm not sure. If I'm remembering Wikipedia correctly, I think it was somewhere in the very beginning. But I've only seen Donnie Darko Mm -hmm. once and it's been a while.
0: Yeah, I I like this one. It's uh, like, as you've all mentioned, Danny Elfman's vocal performance is, is really, really good. But what really makes this song for me is that really cool guitar line. It yeah. It sounds delayed, but there's no effect. He's just playing it like that. And I that's I've never heard anybody do that before. I think I think Steve Bartek is a really interesting guitar player. Mm-hmm. He only he only gets that one big solo on this album, I think, but uh he, he he doesn't really come to the come to the front all that much, but he's always doing something interesting.
2: Yeah, he strikes me as a really critical utility player for Ango Boingo. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he's always filling in the cracks with with cool little, little details. All right, well, I guess it's time to move on to everybody's favorite stretch of the album, beginning with track six, "Fool's Paradise."
4: Just a fool's paradise. It's just a fool's paradise.
1: We're about to hit a stretch of songs that are kind of strange in that they're not that interesting if you're grading on the Oingo Boingo curve. <laughs> any given one of these would be the weirdest and most interesting song by almost any other band you could name, but this is a very steep curve we're grading on. And this one, it's kind of Oingo Boingo by numbers, but they're good numbers. Uh, This is, there's not a whole lot of song here. What there is, is saved once again by Danny Elfman and his singing style. And this is a very Danny Elfman vocal. The way he kind of yells the verses in a somewhat tuneful manner and then goes all melodramatic in the choruses is, is extremely typical, including the way he stretches down to the very bottom of his range in the chorus to harmonize with himself. And there's, I'm sorry, there's just not a whole lot to this. I like it. Yeah. But it's just. It's a fine Oingo Boingo song.
2: Yeah, it's a fun enough song, but it feels like the kind of song bands like would play live that can just kind of go on unobtrusively in the background for as long as it needs to while the lead singer introduces all of the band members. Yeah, <laughs> and When you're Oingo Boingo, you have a lot of band members to introduce. So, <laughs> yeah, that I, needs
1: to go on for a while.
2: Though they didn't yeah. play the song live very much either, as far as I can tell.
3: Yeah, this is like if you get like Chinese food from your favorite place, and it's so good, and then the next day you microwave it, but you don't <laughs> microwave
5: it all the
3: way through. Like, it's still good, but it's not quite there. I'm a big fan
2: of cold Chinese food,
0: but I'm weird.
3: This is the B-sides, I heard somebody cry. Mm-hmm. It's like trying to do that, but it doesn't quite get
0: there. Mm. Yeah, this one's this one's all right. It's It, it kind of sounds like background music for a party scene, but... <laughs> Does that well. But not a um, dead man's party. Not a dead man's party.
2: You, you could easily ask for more from this party.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, we ran out of those red cups. I hear this as sort of uh Oingo Boingo trying to be funky. And I I don't think that's one of their one of their big strengths. This is the one song on the album where I I feel the the Song is kind of restricted by that, uh, that signature Danny Elfman one, two, one, two rhythm. Yeah. It's just a little too mm-hmm. stiff to be what I think it's trying to be.
3: But, you know, it's, it's all right. This is like if you were trying, if Dan, if Oingo Boingo was like trying to sell themselves to a bunch of like buttoned up radio suits.
0: Hmm. All right. Well, we might as well move on then to track seven. This is Help Me. <laughs>
5: Don't.
1: When I get that crazy feeling this doesn't sound quite right. Sorry,
2: I seem to have played a far superior song called Help Me by Joni Mitchell. Here's the Oingo Boingo one.
3: Rich, I'm very angry at you <laughs> right now.
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> when you spend your whole life building stone castles, when the world starts to crumble.
2: like much of Side 2. There isn't really much going on with Help Me, though I like the way it switches from a minor key to a major key for the chorus. Am I reading that right there? I I play these kind of things by ear. I don't really know theory very well. Yeah, That's what it sounds like to me, yeah. Yeah. Uh, But it's sprightly and energetic enough that it became a staple of their live shows for the rest of their career. So I figured this is as good a chance as any to talk about the band as a live act because as much as I love their studio albums, I am eternally jealous of people who were able to see Oingo Boingo in concert.
3: Right? My friends Chris and Terry did, and I'm like gonna be jealous (gasps) of them forever. Uh, Well, I'm jealous
2: of them. Tell them that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, their shows would regularly last more than two hours. And by all accounts, they were like a white hot ball of energy on stage. A a few of their concerts are on YouTube, including a playlist which contains the official DVD release of their 1995 farewell concert in Los Angeles. And I'll make sure to link to it in the show notes because it is so much fun to watch. Like, uh, Mm -hmm. so their final show was on Halloween, uh, but Elfman isn't in costume. He wears a comfortable, loose-fitting t-shirt and sweatpants because by the end of the show, he is just drenched in sweat from darting all over the stage stage uh, and i respect that commitment to comfort over the bit yeah uh, and by the time the encore rolls around the shirt is gone
1: and he's barefoot the whole time too
2: there's also a bit where john avila b- plays his bass part while being dragged across the stage by his feet <laughs> just watch <laughs> it you won't be disappointed
1: he is just stomping all over the place on that stage and the i mean the bass has to be plugged into something right i don't know how he's not just murdering people left and right no <laughs> way! He, I mean, you expect him all to be toppling over like bowling pins, but he's so fun to watch. All
2: I know is that I've never seen a person be more excited to be in Oingo Boingo.
1: Oh, I know! I mean, it's and like, in no one lives forever. That is clearly Danny Elfman and John Avila's favorite thing that has ever happened.
2: Yeah. Uh, So so the prospect of an Oingo Boingo reunion tour is basically slim to none at this point, because uh, performing live was starting to give Danny Elfman severe tinnitus, which was part of why he ended the band. Uh, He was actually preparing for a solo tour in 2020 that was set to feature some Oingo Boingo material. uh, But then COVID-19 ruined his plans, just like it ruined everybody else's plans. Though he's preparing to go on tour again at this point, right? Libby, you mentioned that earlier.
3: Um, I know he's he's just doing the live shows for the Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, I don't okay. know about his touring, but given his new album, I hope he doesn't. It's terrible. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I heard it
1: existed, and I meant to listen to it, but I haven't it's yet. Is it really not good?
3: bad? Oh, no. It's really bad. Well,
1: it's called Big Mess, isn't it? Is it? Act- is that? It's an accurate title. <laughs>
3: It's just like uh, maybe don't, honey. Okay. (laughs) Nobody's quarantine album is good.
2: And help me, it's a song. (laughs) What do you think?
3: I love love this one. Yeah, well, stump for it. I don't. The chorus throws me, but again, it's got the you know the really the fancy Danny Elfman singing all of the vibrato uh mm-hmm. and the falsetto the second verse is the horniest line on the album uh you know the whole like i've been thirsting for years oh, i've yeah. hungered for something just the touch of your flesh it's just like ooh. <laughs> <laughs> i've been
4: thirsty for years i've been thirsty-
3: like that i feel that it's it's so sexy and it's so it's like sensual danny elfman and that is the kind of danny elfman i really like and and um and his instagram is delightful by the way so he posts pictures of like ceramic hands and his chickens (laughs) so you look at you're like yeah that seems like something danny elfman would do Mm -hmm. of course chickens why wouldn't he um it's somehow again Threatening, but sweet.
1: <laughs> I love the verses of this song, but the chorus is annoying enough to drag the whole thing down a few points. And I just don't like saxophone solos in general. They, I, <laughs> I find them annoying, and this is an annoying one. But those verses are fantastic. You get me. I do. <laughs>
3: you really do. You complete me.
1: I'm, I'm
0: kind of at a loss for this one. The, the most I can say about it is that at least it's not the next track. <laughs> the same man I was before That's a ringing endorsement <laughs>
1: fine um i think i like it more than any of you guys do but i don't love it <laughs> yeah i was playing this
2: in the car and my wife was like this is like shitty bit bizarre love triangle
1: <laughs> she's right i love she her is. say hi for me I will. she's great i knew it sounded familiar
4: every time i think of you
2: This was actually one of my favorite songs on the album back when I bought it. And listening to it now, I have like no idea why. It's the only song on the album I would call terrible. Uh, I actually sent an MP3 of this song to a music nerd friend I used to talk to on IRC all the time saying like, oh my God, you've got to hear this song. It's so great. (laughs) And he correctly responded, what are you talking about? This is awful.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this is either – the opening theme song to a sitcom that gets canceled halfway through the first episode <laughs> or this is the Oingo Boingo song that Smash Mouth would cover for Shrek 8.
1: Yeah. <laughs> wow. That is
3: harsh. Harsh, but fair.
0: It's time for another good idea, bad idea. Good idea. Sounding like Devo bad idea sounding like shout era devo i can't hear
5: you puppet boy now dance dance
4: dance
0: and that's <laughs> all i have to say about same man i was before so let's move on to the final track on the album weird science
4: Why don't people understand my intention <laughs>
2: you probably know this one it's oingo boingo's biggest hit though they were never that commercially successful as a band so it topped out at number 45 on the hot 100 and in case you were wondering number one that week was oh sheila by ready for the world
3: oh, oh sheila, let me love you tomorrow, we didn't deserve oingo
2: boingo <laughs> The song exists in a weird place in the Oingo Boingo canon. It's the theme to the 1985 John Hughes film Weird Science, a male wish fulfillment comedy starring Anthony Michael Hall and Elon Mitchell Smith as college students who create a virtual woman played by Kelly LeBron.
3: Supposedly, Anthony Michael Hall came into one of the FYEs that uh, my... Manager was working at and bought a ton of pornography. <laughs> Just speaking of male wish fulfillment, and Anthony Mike, Anthony Michael Hall.
0: It's a pornography store. <laughs> Anthony Michael Hall was buying pornography. So I've
2: never seen Weird Science, and at this point in my life, I can't say it's a priority. Though uh, Amanda, you've seen it a whole bunch of times, right?
1: Yeah, we had it on VHS when I was a kid. It's it has problems. But it also has <laughs> Bill Paxton turning into a giant slug slash toad creature after he whaps a bunch of people oh. in the head with a rifle. It is a weird oh. movie.
2: I didn't know it had an awesome Bill Paxton scene. I might have to reconsider.
1: It does. And yeah, you know what? It's worth watching. At least once.
2: Yeah. So after John Hughes asked Elfman to write the theme song, Elfman basically came up with the song in his head on the spot while driving home. (laughs) Now, a a lot of great art has come together in circumstances like that, like Pinball Wizard by The Who and Dancing in the Dark by Bruce Springsteen come to mind. But (laughs) in this case, you can I'm like, no, that sounds about right. You can really, really tell that this was a toss off that he just, you know, drummed in his head while driving home.
3: He also came up with the theme to Batman on a plane and kept going to the bathroom. Oh yeah, it was
2: in an airplane bathroom, yeah. Yeah,
3: to like think it over because he didn't have anything to write it down with. And then they played yesterday as he was deplaning and it almost ruined like what was in his head.
2: Yeah, we haven't even mentioned that he did the Batman theme, huh? That's probably his most famous Yeah, it's kind of a big deal.
3: a lot of music in, tra- in transit.
2: So Oingo Boingo pretty much had to include Weird Science on their next album for sales reasons, but it, it never really meant much to the band, and they eventually basically disowned it. A- according to setlist.fm, they performed it live exactly once after 1988, and they didn't even revive it for their farewell concert. Dis. Not playing Thanks. your biggest hit. <laughs> and, and while it's a fun enough song, I, I really like it. It's, it's so much fun to listen to. I, I totally get it. For all that Oingo Boingo were odd, quirky, and, and in your face, the song still clearly reflected elfman's inner life and sense of artistry and this song was basically work for hire for them
3: yeah it mm-hmm. sounds good on the dance floor like it's really fun to dance to but if you sit and listen to it you're like it's good that it's on the end of the album because it, it ends with energy but it's not as deep as anything else on it's here. closing credits music it's not dead man's party yeah
1: Well, once again, there is a different version of this song floating around. The album track is much different from what was released on the Weird Science soundtrack. And I think the soundtrack version is what I used to hear on the radio. And it starts off totally differently. We have a clip of it here. She's alive.
3: That's the one I have. Yeah? Yeah, that's the one I always play at my Halloween parties. Maybe this will be my uh, Danny Elfman-inspired Halloween costume. I'll go, go as a sexy scientist, and
1: I'm like, oh, weird go. science.
2: Yeah. I, I think I slightly prefer it opening with the acapella falsetto part, though that is yeah? my favorite bit from the song, so it feels kind of like you know spoiling the best part.
1: <laughs> yeah, and that, that comes toward the end of the single edit, which on the whole I think is a lot better than the one on the album, unlike the... Dead Man's Party single. Uh, I like the intro on the single one a lot better. It gives you a little bit more build up to what's coming. And plus I really like that little bit of dialogue. Is that from Bride of Frankenstein?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Colin Clive.
1: Yeah, I think <laughs> I think it's really cool. And again, that's in the album version but buried way toward the end. So yeah, when the album cut starts out, it feels to me kind of like a science fiction novel. It just drops you right in the middle of a battle scene and you have to figure out what the hell's <laughs> going on. The, the single version introduces the characters and gives you a little bit of plot. <laughs> and I think it works a lot better. And also, it's a good two, two and a half minutes shorter, which is an improvement because this song is way too long.
3: Yeah. You got to do the uh, the single version uh, at a party unless you're doing a ton of blow.
1: Yeah. like the, the album cut sounds like the extended dance remix.
3: Yeah. It goes on with big cocaine energy.
1: Yeah.
0: I was introduced to this song by watching Rich karaoke it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah?
3: Rich, you're delightful. We have so
0: many karaoke stories, Mike. <laughs> Man, the, yeah. that, that must be like the 10th one that's come up on this podcast. I love it.
3: Rich, I want to do yeah. karaoke with you.
0: It'll have to happen. But uh, yeah, this is this one's fun. I can totally imagine, uh, you know, John Hughes calling up Danny Elfman. Hey, Danny Elfman. I need you to write me a song called Weird Science.
5: <laughs> and he's just
0: like, okay. And he's just, like <laughs> I've never seen the movie, but I, I like that he just like came up with a song called Weird Science that's like mm-hmm, lyrically just barely tangentially related to <laughs> yeah. the plot of the movie. This
3: is Oingo Boingo distilled to like one drop and then put in a T or something you've got the essence is all there it's just yeah weakened because it's it's everything they have it's the horn sections and the weird lyrics it's just
0: it's not their highest art but it's it's fun yeah, i yeah. I agree with Amanda that it's it's much longer than it needs to be I mean there's there's only so much bits and pieces and bits and pieces and that you really that you really need
3: you start to wonder if the record's skipping yeah
0: yeah but at the same time, the single edit doesn't have that cool little rave up that they do at the end of the album version. Science.
4: Science. Science.
5: Science.
0: Got to make your own little custom single edit for this one.
3: The Discord and Rhyme edit. Yes.
0: <laughs> and it's, it's, a, it's a fun way to end the album.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So here's here's a fun way to end the episode. What are your final thoughts on Dead Man's Party, Amanda?
1: It does not surprise me at all that I loved this album so much when I was a little kid and that my 11-year-old daughter loves it now. I think this album is great for kids because it is basically a cartoon. It's big and loud and bright and obvious and incredibly fun. And plus there are spots where it's just scary enough to be a little thrilling. Now I can see, I can kind of see why people who started at the beginning with Oingo Boingo would consider this a disappointment. Although I think calling it a pop sellout is going way too far, but the band is still themselves. They're just a little bit more mature. There is so much here to love. And
2: Rich, how about you? Well, Oingo Boingo sometimes get written off as like the prelude to Danny Elfman's scoring career, and I say, eh, to that. (laughs) I think they're one of the great unsung bands of the new wave era, and I, I hope we've made a very strong case for them in this episode, and that our millions and millions of listeners run out and buy their albums today. All right. What say you, Libby?
3: I'm really glad that we sat down with this episode, and again, thank you so much for having me, because it has been a long time since I've listened to this album in full and i i wish i'd sort of gotten back to it sooner because it's still as wonderful if not more wonderful than when i first started listening to it so it's really it means more to me now getting a little older even the tracks that aren't great are still spectacular
0: yeah it's Getting into Oingo Boingo has been a, a long time coming for me, and I'm I'm glad uh, I finally had a reason to do so. <laughs> I I don't think this is gonna end up being my favorite Oingo Boingo album because of that side two lull that happens, mm-hmm. but there's a lot here to love, and I'm I'm gonna be coming back to this one a lot. I think.
3: Yeah, it's nice and tight.
0: So rich. Somebody hears Dead Man's Party. They want more Oingo Boingo. What should they listen to? Well,
2: if you want something a little more raw, weird, and jagged than Dim Man's Party, you've got to hear their 1982 sophomore album, Nothing to Fear. It's filled with interesting arrangements and catchy hooks, and the whole thing is just gleefully absurd. And I'm going to clip a song called Insects, which could easily pass off as like a demented outtake from the Talking Heads album, Fear of Music.
5: (laughs) (laughs)
3: Dance, dance, dance. Dance make me want to it's
1: such a weird song I, know,
3: I love it it sounds like stop
1: motion it like does There should be a little stop motion video <laughs> to go with that all
0: right amanda what are your recommendations
1: well Oingo bongo is a band that really pays off if you just start at the beginning and go chronologically to start i haven't heard the ep so i can't speak for that But if you start with only a lad and just keep on going from there, you're going to have a really good time. But make sure you get all the way through to at least Dark at the End of the Tunnel, which came out two albums after Dead Man's Party. And the one in between isn't that great. But Dark at the End of the Tunnel is, they've moved even further toward that radio-friendly sound. But there's still enough freaky weirdness to keep you going.
0: So, Libby, what do you recommend?
3: Um, I'm gonna go for uh Boingo, the hyphen, um, because this has most of my favorite Boingo Boingo songs. It's got Home Again, Where Do All My Friends Go, Elevator Man, the live version is better. We close our eyes, not my slave. All spectacular.
1: I like we amazing. close our eyes a lot. We close
3: our eyes it is stunning. Who am I?
4: I'm- Last night I saw
2: Also, that album title is Boingo with a hyphen in the middle between the I and the N, so it's Boy hyphen Ungo, which drives me nuts. That's not where you put a hyphen. <laughs>
3: it's very <laughs> stupid.
2: That's exactly why you put it there. Yep. I bet. Yeah, to troll Just to me. Piss
3: off, Rich.
2: <laughs> yeah, and we have to warn listeners: buy Boingo with the hyphen and not Boingo without the hyphen, which is their final album. It's terrible, and you can buy it for, like, a dollar on Discogs. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. It's a trap. It's so bad. <laughs> yeah. There's a song that sounds like the Red Hot Chili Peppers on it.
1: And it's nice. nine minutes long.
0: So as for me, I'm still in the process of exploring Oingo Boingo. So uh, in the meantime, I'm going to recommend that you all listen to the Cardiacs, or I guess just Cardiacs. They're, they're one of those bands. But I, I, I can't not call them the Cardiacs. It just feels weird mm-hmm. not to. Um, but the the cardiacs are like oingo boingo if they drank a jar of coffee and also just if more. Uh my my favorite <laughs> album of theirs is uh called Sing to God, but it's a double album and it's also just a lot. It's like concentrated cardiacs. <laughs> and if if you want to jump in the deep end like that and be my guest, but the my official recommendation for getting into them is uh gonna be an album called a little man and a house and the whole world window. Uh, I think I think that's the easiest entry point. And I've got a clip to play here from a song called "Dive." Walk in a in
4: a night, night, night. Night.
1: to that album yesterday and really liked it a lot it makes perfect sense as a recommendation here (laughs) (laughs) yeah and much
2: like u.s critics hated oingo boingo like british critics in the 80s like they all they were all united in having this like arbitrary hatred of the Cardiacs. and uh, you know they're not for everybody
0: but i think they're awesome all right next album well don't get burrito all over your nudie suit because next episode is going to be ben with grievous angel by graham parsons an <laughs> album I know nothing about.
1: Holy this is one yo. hell of a gear shift.
2: Yeah, this seems about as different as an album we've covered has been from the episode before it. Yikes. Though I guess we followed up 69 love songs with the Mahavishnu Orchestra. So
1: There's precedent. That's, that's <laughs> True. also up yeah. there. Y'all are a lot. I love you.
2: <laughs> Roll credits. Well, I'm credits.
0: Thank you for listening to Discord and Rhyme. You can buy Dead Man's Party and other albums by Oingo Boingo at your local record store. And as I mentioned up at the top of the episode, they actually just released deluxe reissues of their first four albums in August. You can also buy or stream the album at the usual places such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube, and Amazon. If you visit our website discordpod.com, you'll find a Spotify playlist featuring this album and every song we clipped in this episode. Follow Discord and Rhyme at DiscordPod on Twitter for news and updates. Editing and production is by Rich, with the exception of the intro and theme song, which were produced by me, Mike DeFabio. See you next album, and keep as cool as you can. Goodbye,
4: goodbye, 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 goodbye.
5: How come they didn't let that dude back in Duran Duran?